0: Welcome to This Must Be The Place, a podcast about communities and the people who build, support, and live in them. I'm your host, Greg Dunlap. So our guest today is Rosie Sherry. Rosie's been very active in community building for a number of years. Not only is Rosie the community lead at the community management platform Orbit, but she also publishes the website and weekly newsletter about community called Rosingland and founded the Ministry of Testing and homeschools her five kids in Brighton, United Kingdom. And we're really glad, glad to have Rosie here. So welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me
0: so what's what's kind of your origin story like i know you have a background in tech but how did you get involved in community management
1: yeah interesting one because like I, I definitely definitely didn't grow up um you know knowing about community as a career and like when i look back at when i started my career i was quite young i was 20 um i started in tech at 20 not community but um like community was never you know it wasn't on my radar I I never knew it existed Uh, but like uh, I I started like as a software tester I managed to get a testing job when I was quite young you know very kind of junior role but that was kind of enough to kind of get me going and keep me going in in the tech world and I did testing for for a few years and then kind of come like that that was like two thousand. Year around the year 2000. So, come like 2005, 2006, like I guess like the internet was kind of getting a bit more interesting. (laughs) Um, Web 2.0 was kind of like, you know, that was like kind of the era that was happening. There were lots of like cool things, at least from my perspective, appearing. You know, it was a time of like Flickr and uh, probably Meetup started around then or shortly after then. You know, all these like um, new, new kind of Businesses, venture-backed businesses mostly, um, but yeah, uh, just like the whole the whole idea kind of jumped onto my radar. Then, partly through meetups, uh, which I was like originally like attending some, and then my first step into community was actually like o- deciding to like organize a local meetup, and that that was uh, you know really good experience for for me. And uh, I did. I did well at that. I, it was like partly luck, I think, of doing the right kind of meet up, which was like a it was a girl geek dinner meet up, and it just went really well for like two, two, three years. It's like fully booked every 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 month that we did it. It's like you know, as soon as we announced it, it, would like pack out almost on the day kind of thing, and you know, just having that experience was kind of really uplifting to me and I really kind of like enjoyed it and um, I, I took kind of a very uh, what's the right word but like I, I would step back from, from you know from the limelight You know, so I was more like the person curating it the person pulling it together but like on the event on the day itself you know I would check people in and stuff but I would never like I would avoid as much as possible to stand up in front of the crowd. Yeah. Like, that kind of wasn't my thing. I'm quite introverted. Um, but yeah, that that was just like, you know, great experience. And then I went on to kind of co start or co founder a co working space. And again, that was kind of, I guess that was like, you know, the next level up from a meetup is like having this kind of uh, permanent co working space. And that was amazing. Again, I would like, Organize lots of meetups, I pull people together, and all of that, and that, you know, and that and that was kind of like when coworking was still like not popular at all. It's still yeah, quite pretty
0: new back things.
1: then. Yeah, it wasn't new new, but it was, it was definitely fairly new. Definitely not like what what it is today. And yeah, I did that for two three years. Um, loved it, but was. In the wrong partnership with, with business with someone, so I left. Um, but as as I was doing both the meetup and the coworking space, uh, <laughs> I like it's like I think I do. I, I juggle, I juggle many balls at once. Uh, <laughs> I I decided to start a community for testers because I was a tester at the time. I was kind of in and out of testing. I had like a couple of kids in between all of that as well. And, uh, there's this tool called Ning, which I think is still around. Oh yeah. Something. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I used that to like, kind of kickstart the community and I, I knew some testers. I like had a blog at the time. I would written like a few blog posts and stuff, nothing like massive, but enough to like kind of get the ball rolling and enough to get like the first few members on, on board, but Really, it was just like an excuse to experiment with, with stuff and see see what happened, would happen. And with that, it you know, I just kind of kept at that. And for like the first three years, it was very much a side project thing where I was just doing it for fun. I was trying to liven up the software testing world, which, in my opinion, was uh, <laughs> bland. Um, <laughs> so, is that, you know, I was just trying to, you know, have fun and do, do fun things and just, you know, try to inject a bit, a bit of, uh, innovate, you know, fun innovation, I guess. And yeah, so I did that for three years. And then after three years, I was just like, Oh, this has taken up a lot of my time. It, it had kind of grown. Uh, I can't remember how many members it had at the time. Um, probably, I don't know, maybe like 10,000 members or something like that. And, you know, I kind of decided just to go in and, Turn it into a business. I kind of made a promise to myself as I, like, I had this has to be a business or I'm gonna not, I'm gonna stop doing it. And so that's what I did. I turned it into a business. Um, and yeah, so basically I I decided that uh, people needed events in the UK specifically because I, I lived in the UK and that was like what the, the focus that I gave it is like we do events, we do good events, we do. Affordable events, and there was nothing like that at the time for testers. So all events that were out there were very kind of corporate events, were very expensive, and I just thought it was something that that would be good for the, for the industry. And then we just kept doing it year after year, and each year it would grow a bit. And then I, I think come like year five uh we like we had started it as like a one day event and by by year five we were like a two day conference of training courses as well, so it was like almost like a full week of stuff happening and it was accommodating like on the busiest day it was accommodating like three hundred people um and it was you know i was I was making a living from it which which is great um and then, come yeah, come year five, people started asking to do it in different cities. And, like, <laughs> on, on reflection, I'm like, I find it really hard to say no to people. So, <laughs> so we ended up doing conferences in different cities. And then by the time we got to, like, 2018, I think, was the busiest year. We, we had done, like, nine conferences in nine different cities and countries from, like, the U.S. to in Europe and Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and you know they weren't all massive they were like generally between 150 to 400 people uh, but still like a fairly <laughs> big undertaking mm-hmm. Um, trying to figure out how to do conferences in different countries in hindsight is a bit of a daft thing to take on but we <laughs> did it and you know I'm proud we did it like as a team um, but in hindsight it's like pro- probably not like the most profitable thing to be doing, <laughs> but you know it's you know no regrets. I don't think is it, you know we've done something pretty amazing with on on a kind of bootstrap uh, budget. So you know that's uh, you know I need to remind myself sometimes that you know I should be proud of what, all the crazy things things we've done.
0: Um, it's interesting because I feel like you know. A lot of people start communities and then start to burn out, right? And uh, in, a, in a lot of cases, those the the reason for that burnout is because they're juggling too much. They've got a job, they've got kids, they've got this community they're trying to run. And I what I see a lot is that people draw back from their communities because they feel like they can't juggle everything and this is the only thing they have to give. But you kind of went the other direction where you took your job and put it into your community um and i find that really interesting like like how did how did that process work for you and come to you
1: yeah i mean interested one um i don't know I, I i i guess like i see things and i think like you know in in this instance i was in the world of testing and i was a, I was just so annoyed that like <laughs> um <laughs> like in Brighton like I live in Brighton, so it's you know it's a pretty kind of trendy ish city um and those you know going back to like when I started Ministry of testing, I went to a few conferences and I was jealous you know I was jealous at like these web designers it wasn't testing it was like web design tech conferences, and these you know web professionals uh who are putting on these conferences and I was like, oh, this is so unfair. It's like, how come you get to have all the fun? <laughs> it's like, how come like testers don't have this? Um, so, you know, a, a lot of my stuff is, is very much like inspiration taken from elsewhere, like what other people are doing and how can I apply it to to my life or my situation? Um, I, you know, I don't think any, any ideas these days are 100%, you know, uh, what was it a hundred percent um
0: original or unique yeah yeah.
1: yeah yeah original or unique so um a lot of my stuff because like there wasn't a lot going in the testing world i would just take a lot of inspiration from the web design world because i used to hang out with a lot of web people in in my local town and i would like, keep up to up to date with what they were doing and Yeah, I don't know. I just like, I think there's opportunity there. And I think I saw opportunity. But, you know, I definitely didn't think that I would end up, you know, turning it into, into like a seven figure business and doing like events all around the world. That wasn't the plan. But, (laughs) you know, I thought, well, you know, there's something there to be had. I wasn't doing anything else, to to be honest, or I was like in and out of other things. And I, um had the choice as I, I, I was like had kids it was always hard to like get a full time job and i just saw it, like as an opportunity especially as it grew to you know potentially create something um I, you know i think i think i dive into things without really fully understanding the consequences sometimes but i think <laughs> uh, that's that's maybe maybe part of the fun <laughs> i don't know
0: I mean, I think I think that's one of the things that stops people from doing what you did is that like, you know, it's that fear or not, you know, they think about it too much and then they worry and then they decide not to do it. So I mean, it could get I think that I think that goes both ways.
1: Yeah. I think I think I just like when I have, when I have an idea on something I get a bit fixated on it and I find it
0: hard <laughs> to let go. <laughs> um did you find, like, I think one of the things that people worry about when they see communities get kind of monetized like that is that they are going to become more, you know, businessy or formalized or like that the the quest for the profit is going to take over the community. Like, how did you balance that when you were building the ministry of testing?
1: Yeah, it's definitely a, a tough one to balance, I think balancing it mentally just like in my own mm-hmm. mind and balancing it with the community and then like balancing the the business aspect I, I had tried a few things like trying to introduce membership before I did the events and stuff like that but it just like never <laughs> took off um I didn't try too hard to be honest but um I think you know people just like didn't respond to it and. I think it was too early as well. Like, in in hindsight, especially if we look at like where the web is today, um, I, people in those times weren't like prepared to like pay for membership for things, mm-hmm. whereas like these days they are. And um, you know, maybe I was, maybe I'm super clever or just lucky. But I think I think it's just like I ended up going with events, which was. I wasn't taking anything away from the community. I was only adding to it and I didn't do free events. I just went in straight and said, I'm doing a paid event. And um, so it's like, I, I don't think people could really complain that much about it. It's like, you know, events cost money to put on. It's like everybody pays for conferences, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much. And um, so... I think like in hindsight you know that that was I guess a good decision is like adding something on top and not taking anything really away from from the community and um, but you know communities change I, you know I don't I don't think we can escape that and it's like um I think you know at the same time if they don't change they they end up dying um but, and and that was Probably something that was always on my mind It's like you know when I made that decision like three years in is that I had to make money for this or I was going to stop and you know I think that's the reality of a lot of communities is that if they're not sustainable they die out because people burn out or they get tired or you know they have they have life priorities and if they're not benefiting financially in in a fair way from something they're not going to give it the priority when you know push comes to shove they're going to they're going to give their job a priority or they're going to give their other business that they might have a priority which is totally fair you know as as people we need to we need to find ways to you know make 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 a living so like for me i i was at that 3 year turning point i was just in my mind i was convinced that you know, i'm i'm up for the challenge of making this community work but it has to pay and it's not that I want to be rich from it, but I want to make a decent living from it. And that, that was, that was my goal. And we'd have a few complaints here and there, but overall people were quite, quite accepting. Um, a lot of people said that they would never go to a conference, but they, they did <laughs> and mm-hmm. stuff like that is It's like, um, you know, I, I talk about that sometimes it's like, uh, it's kind of like the mom test is like, if you if you ask people what they want that you know they they won't tell you the real truth even though they think it's the truth um so like i made the decision for the community because i felt like i knew what was best for them because i had spent the most time studying the community and being with them so i kind of went in uh not necessarily confident but kind of believing that an event would work because That's what the industry needed.
0: Yeah, it's always interesting. I was talking to someone else about this recently where it's like, you know, you want to, you know, your community in the end exists for its members, not for you. And so you want to respond to what they need and what they're telling you. But on the other hand, sometimes there's things that you see that the community needs that they may not even realize that they need. And it's like a balance because you don't want to be like a dictator where you're like, you know, telling Telling people this is my way and it goes, but on the other hand, the community doesn't really always understand the big their own big picture all the time either.
1: Yeah, it's definitely true. Um, and you know, I'm I'm a bit allergic to things like surveys and asking yeah. for feedback all the time. I'm kind of a big believer that you know people say things as they are, and you can either take that information or, or take it on board um, or, or not. It's like, but at the end of the day, say like the, the community is on my shoulders. It's up to me to make it happen. Because if I don't mm-hmm. do it, I, I I knew that it would die. And, and this is the reality that people don't realize: is that yes, it's a community, but I'm financially responsible for for everything. If you know, if I if I get sued or something, I'm the one who needs to ensure that all all the paperwork is is in place so that I don't get sued. Or you know, there's there's a lot of risk that. Community leaders you know put themselves in that community members don't don't realize and uh, we can you know I definitely you know approached it as mindfully as I could um, you know, I was always like as considerate as I could, but i I was also very aware that I had to as best as i could enjoy enjoy the process as well because what's the point otherwise mm mm-hmm.
0: You grew that community very large. Like I think I heard you say in another interview at one point that like you had like 100,000 members in ministry and testing at one point um, for whatever you defined that as. Um, how, how does, how do you, I, th- I see a lot of people having problems with scaling communities, right? Because communities change when they scale and managing that can be difficult. Like how did you handle the issues of scale as that community grew and grew?
1: Yeah. It's not quite a hundred thousand. Um, mm. it's like, there's like, uh, probably like 35,000 registered members, oh, okay. but then, mm-hmm. but then there's, um, as I would measure community in these days, there's like another 50,000 in our LinkedIn group. And then there's mm. another 20,000 on Twitter. And, um, so it's like there, there is overlap, but it's, it's hard to know how much overlap there is right. at the moment. But, um, you know, it's it's definitely like the the largest testing community and um yeah, I mean how how do you manage it? It's like, you know, say like, and its like 'cause like what is the community as well? It's like there's very there's very different levels of community involvement. There's like people who who lurk and, you know, admire from, from afar and consume the content but like never participate. And then on the on the complete flip side there's the fans the, you know the the kind of like the ambassadors so that in there like all the time or they help us host events they run meetups they speak at our our conferences and yeah how do you grow that i mean it's like the mm-hmm. the, the, the only way that i know, knew how or approached it was kind of <laughs> literally one day at a time and looking <laughs> looking for people at each step of the way and I, th- I think people would be surprised at how few people it takes to keep to keep a community going so it's like you don't need hundreds of thousands or you don't you don't need a hundred thousand so like to, to make a, a community feel lively you probably need you know hundreds like of ministry of testing it's like in reality like people who are regularly active it's probably not that many but it's enough to kind of keep it alive and like if we think of an event for example we we might do an event that has like 10 speakers and you know that's that's not a huge number but to get 10 speakers you kind of need maybe 100 people to apply for for like a speaking slot Mm -hmm. so you know those are the kind of numbers that that you know you're talking about is you know it's not massive but it's still a fair chunk to to sift through and like for for me you know I guess it's like everything is like is like trying to pay attention to the people that actually care the most about the opportunities that they're given and I think um, a lot of communities especially communities that run or have events they often you know focus on on the most popular people they get like the the bigger speakers in to try to attract people to kind of buy tickets. And I always kind of like almost took the opposite approach most of the time. <laughs> that I would avoid as much as possible the, the well-known people and I would look everywhere for, for people who were, you know, looking for the opportunities, who, who really appreciated having the opportunity to speak or um, giving them the, their first speaking gig as well Um, you know all those kind of things is that's like the approach i would take and i think to be honest that's what builds community because you're building from the ground up and when when you look after the people who need it they they stick around and they come back whereas if you're focused on i guess the popular people the influencers. So, yes, sure that they'll appreciate it, but they won't hang around because they're too busy and if If you approach them at a time in their life when they're too busy, it's not gonna give them the same kind of connection uh, to us than it would do to someone who's who's new to the field, someone who you give them their first speaking gig, you know, or someone who you help um find find their job, their first job, even and all those kind of things so yeah i mean i've never i've never adopted like you know mass like marketing uh, efforts anything like that it's it's always been connect with the community communicate with communities as, as as much as we can and and give the community opportunities
0: i think that makes a lot of sense and uh, i like the perspective of um paying the most attention to um to the people who are, you know, actively participating and, you know, basically, you know, in your case bringing 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 the money forth, right, to keep things running. Yeah,
1: definitely.
0: Definitely. Um so, you know, you're running Ministry of Testing and at some point, you decide to take a step back and uh, and look for or go in a different direction. And I know that a lot of founders, especially of large communities, have a really hard time with that. Like they feel they've grown this from scratch; it's their baby. They have trouble letting go, or or even sometimes, you know uh, delegating within the community as they're, as they're growing because they feel very, very protective. And, uh, and you did that and what was like, well, first of all, what was it that made you decide you wanted to go and pursue other opportunities? And then what was it, what was, what was it like for you to let that go and step away and watch someone else run it?
1: Yeah. Um, at the heart of it, I, I'd known for quite a while that like, I enjoyed testing but uh the, the longer I did it the longer I realized that I didn't want to stay focused on on testing as an industry. And I tried for a while to stick with it, but like the longer things went on, I was like, no, I'm just like I'm I'm bored of testing. That's like you know, that's the point it got to and and I felt like in in my heart I was like, oh if I'm bored, I'm not gonna be inspired, I won't be able to serve the people properly. And it became apparent to me that the longer that went on, the more out of touch I got, the more like mm. things like people would submit talk submissions and I wouldn't really fully understand what, what they were talking about. And and I would take note of those kind of situations and think, oh, maybe it's time for me to kind of move on. Um, but, you know, e- easier, easier said than done. <laughs> um <laughs> And, and I, I laugh about it, but you know, seriously, it, it was, it was tough. And I tried a couple of times over the years to partner up with people and failed. And so, like, you know, then came like the third time around that I was trying and I was like filled with dread and thinking, how am I ever going to find someone to take it over? Because that's what I felt I needed is like either someone takes it over and continues giving the community what they need, or I sell it, or I close it down. Those are the three options. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to close it down because you know it felt wrong. I didn't want to sell it because it felt wrong as well. I knew that if I sold it, it would probably die. Um, at least I'd have money in my pocket, but it's like uh, it just felt felt wrong. Um, so I went I went down the path of trying again to find someone else to take over, and. Luckily, you know, I found I found Richard, who's who's a current CEO. He 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 was part of the community, and he helped me organize uh, some of the first events that I, we started doing in different cities. We we kind of started building up a relationship, and you know, he he you know he was up for taking the challenge on of of taking it over, um, but you know, not easy because. Um, you know it's it's hard to figure that stuff out legally and financially let alone like having the right person for the role and also like committing to fully stepping back is you know it's it's hard it was it was hard for me um partly just to you know let go of it but also thinking to myself well I've been doing this for 10 years what am I going to do next kind of thing mm-hmm. mentally that was you know challenging so, but you know, and then it's like you know, Richard took it over as CEO, and he's like I, I kind of see him as like the third co-founder. He just came on a bit later, but that's like the perspective mm-hmm. that I have he, he has ownership of it like like I do, and like my husband does, does as well um but you know it was a tough process because you know i i took I took my time, and when you take your time like handing something over, and when you're not really enjoying it. And when it's still like in the back of your mind that this could fail again and it could all still end up on my shoulders, uh, it's, it's not a great place to be in. And I kind of relate it to it. It was like a job that I couldn't quit. And mm-hmm. That's tough, you know? So it's like, it was like a three year journey to, to extract myself. And even now as I'm extracted, I don't really do anything day-to-day. But I still have that responsibility. So I'm not completely out of the picture because I still own it or co-own it. So I still have that responsibility. But um, I'm okay with it. But, you know, at the same time, often I think, well, you know, I don't really want to own it anymore. (laughs) But, you know, because it it brings that level, you know, it, it takes up space in my head. Not not as much as what it used to, but it still takes up space in my head, and um, and you know it's like in the run up to me leaving, I I also felt like I couldn't talk about it publicly because that you know I didn't think people would would understand or appreciate it, and so I never spoke about it, which which kind of never really helped either. But mm-hmm. it, was, it was you know it's only like you know two three years after leaving that I've kind of started talking about it Um, I just found it tough to be public about it whilst also being part of the community is like uh, you know I guess I was scared that people would like think that I didn't appreciate it or say you know why is she saying that when she you know she's got such a great job running the community she's doing such a great job she's making a living What, what's what's she complaining about you know those those kind of things kind of Ran through my head at least, so it's like you know, there's all this like stuff bottled up that you can't you can't talk about publicly. Um, but yeah, I'm okay talking about it now. It's fine. But it's like, <laughs> when you when you're in it, it's 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 tough.
0: Yeah, yeah. I used to be very very active in a uh, in a very large open source software community, and I was running a project in it. And it's it's like it's interesting because I felt like. I had a lot of the same problems stepping away from that but I've also found a lot of the times if you're very, you know, thoughtful and you know the needs of your community and you understand, you know, you're a good judge of character and you know people who are involved that, you know, oftentimes Things really thrive when you when when I step when I've stepped away from projects in in way and in oftentimes in ways that probably never would have happened if I had been there and they're, they're different than I would have done but it's not like they're bad and I th- I you know it's it's just interesting to me that people f- that people you know cling to those things so much, but but I often find that when they walk away, those things thrive just as well, and the person is probably happier because they weren't ready, because they weren't really, their heart wasn't in it anymore, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely, you know, I'm definitely glad that I stepped back. I'm happy with, you know, where it's going, and, um, you know, I think, I, th- I definitely think it was the right, right decision, for, like everyone. And you know, at the same time, I'm like, you know, just accepting that almost whatever happens happens. Uh, you know, I I believe that it will continue to, you know, it, it kind of got impacted by COVID, but I believe, you know, it will continue to thrive for years to come. But at the same time, stepping back is also kind of accepting that whatever comes of it is what comes of it. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If it doesn't work out. Um, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm. Not, it's not. It's for me. It's not the end of the world, right? Um, and, and you know, I kind of feel bad saying that, especially like for Richard, who you know who's running it and he's putting his heart into it. But you know, I've I've handed over the keys to him. He's you know he's he's gone and he's doing it. You know, the best job mm-hmm. that he can with what he has. He, he's putting his heart into it and. Uh, it's it's up to him and it's up up to the economy as well it's up to you know so many things sure. but uh, whatever happens happens and um I'm you know I've tried really hard to like detach myself emotionally from it and I'm, I'm I think I'm there I say I, I'm there <laughs> but I, I, you know I think I'm there we'll wait and see what happens if it you know whatever happens but you know, I'm proud. I'm proud. I'm proud of it. I I own this business, or I co own this business that employs I don't know eight, nine, ten people. Um, and that you know, that's that's amazing. That you know, something that I've started is given people, you know, this work that they they enjoy and like. The people that work there, they're like ninety percent of them are all people from, who have grown up through the community as well. They've been a part of. Been most of them have been testers or are testers, to some extent, and you know it, it's great to see that to see that happen, and you know I, you know I'm, I'm you know I guess like yeah I'm I'm proud of that I'm proud that I've given that opportunity to the team and I'm proud like that Richard's kind of stepped up and he's doing lots of things that I never wanted to do so you know <laughs> he, he he deserves a lot of credit.
0: You're transitioning out of ministry of testing, and you're not interested in testing. Like, like, where did the did you did did you think that you wanted to go on to another community management role, or how did, or how did you know, you know? Obviously, at some point in your head, you've transitioned as a career from testing to community management. It's like, what did that look like, and when did you start writing about community management and talking about it and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, I mean when I when I stepped back, I kinda of thought I wanted to do community, like as as a focus. And even though like I did community for Ministry of Testing and I was like the main community person there for years, I didn't necessarily enjoy like the business aspect of it. Even though like I understood it as I I I wanted to foc- focus in more on on purely community. And so I ended up going to Indie Hackers. Um, it wasn't planned, but what happened was I had done, so Indie Hackers started about five years ago and shortly after it started, um, well, just for perspective, Indie Hackers is a community for founders, independent founders and they they did interviews of founders and how how they grew and how they make money, and they would dive into like the the financial aspect as well. so I was one of the early people who offered to do an interview with them like a text based interview and then so when it came to like me stepping back from ministry of testing, I wanted to hang out more at Indie hackers, but never found the time. but one day I was there, and I saw that cortland the the founder uh was looking for some social media help. And I was like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> because I, I had done all the social stuff and all, all of that for, for Ministry of Testing. And so I reached out to him and he was like, he, he was confused. He was like, well, aren't you running Ministry of Testing? Aren't you overqualified for this job? <laughs> and he's like, you do realize it's a job? And I was like, yeah, I know, I know. But I just, I just want to do something else. Uh, anything? I just want to kind of get my head stuck into something else, just to give me a new insight or a new perspective onto, into like how Indie Hackers is run. I was, I was genuinely curious as to how it was run, and my kind of reasoning behind it was, I wanted to hang out at Indie Hackers, but I struggled to <laughs> find the time because it wasn't a priority. But mm-hmm. if I was paid something to hang out there then that, that would make me show up and that would make me learn. And I, I kind of felt like I'd gotten a bit out of touch with like the, the startup world or the indie world. And so I saw it as a way to, to kind of relearn everything that was going on and to you know just kind of get immersed into that world. So he was looking for social media help, but then we spoke and then he offered me the opportunity to leave the community. Uh, which kind of made sense so I did and I did that for two years and it was it was fun I definitely appreciate the opportunity it was it was different it was challenging in many ways I had to kind of for me like personally it's like I'd come from this testing background and people in in indie hackers didn't really know about me so you know for me personally I had to kind of shift my testing identity and I was trying to like, you know, just like move away from it, uh, but not in a like really obvious way, but it was like, you know, I, I ended up like, you know, kind of culling my, who who I was following on Twitter and <laughs> stuff like that, just to make it more indie focused rather than like testing focused. Um, and that, you know, I guess personally and mentally, that was kind of like a, a tough shift is like, who am I? Who am I now? What 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 am I going to be? Um, And I thought I wanted to do community, which is why I ended up at Indie Hackers. And then, like the more I was there, the more I was like, "Yes, community is like what I want to focus in on." So that's when I kind of started Rosyland as like a newsletter, and then a paid newsletter, and now it's like evolving into a community. But um, doing that was my way of. Making myself kind of show up for the community world and to research into the community world of what people were talking about because um I had, you know, I had you know educated myself on community and I knew, you know, I had read some books but I wasn't really on on top of it. So me starting a newsletter was like a commitment to to learning more and and also a test for me whether I actually enjoyed the aspect of. You know, kind of becoming more of a specialist as a community professional
0: it's interesting to me this idea of a community mm. professional it still seems very new. I mean I know that it goes back a while like I remember when let me think like um when like at Flickr when Heather champ got hired as the as the community manager and stuff like that that was a really new thing, but it still seems like it's it's only been fairly recently that that's emerged as a potential career path in the business world you know
1: yeah well, it's definitely been around for years but yeah um you know and I definitely remember Heather from Flickr she, you know she mm-hmm. was like you know one of my early inspirations and I think like Seth Godin as well was one mm, yeah, of my sure. early ins- inspirations um but definitely like career-wise it was hard to get into it was hard to find jobs it's like the I don't think they were particularly paid well, um, and not as respected. And even like when I look back at when I started at Indie Hackers, you know, it's like I think even then, and that's only going back like two and a half years. It you know it wasn't you know community as as a role wasn't really kind of considered that you know that great or that good uh, or that you know wasn't that popular even then. But it's definitely COVID is just like
0: uh, mm, you know yeah.
1: every everything everyone's gone like community mad and it's great. For me. <laughs> it's great. It's like you yeah, know, I think it's it's done me a lot of good and and I think like the opportunities out there, uh, there's just like so many I've never seen so many like job job postings for community roles ever. It's you know, there's like I think like, I think people are struggling to hire experienced community professionals now. That's like the general kind of vibe that I get. It's like you get like a lot of kind of people who are social media experts or marketing experts and it, you know, and then community job roles often get mixed in with marketing roles. And it's just not what community is. So there's yeah, it's very like, different yeah yeah but it, there's definitely overlap but you know it's it's very different and then you know I've seen a lot of people especially in the past I guess 3 to 6 months they keep coming to me now It's like do you know anyone for this role you know they you know they're looking to hire for people and they can they can't find them they can't find experienced people at least so i think uh, they have to make compromises or they have to up their, their, you know, what they're willing to pay. And I think definitely like the, the salaries have gone up, which is, you know, for, you know, for for community professionals, it's, you know, it's about time. Yeah. um, yeah. (laughs) You know, it's, you know, it's interesting. I think, you know, there's, there's so much now to, to to serve in the community world, but I think the, the challenge is there's people who are jumping on the wave that don't really understand what community actually means. And they're trying to like solve, solve things that don't need solving or they're trying to come at things from from, like the wrong angle. And, and yeah, I I just see a lot of people starting communities and they're just doing it like wrong and then they get stuck and they don't understand why.
0: Yeah. I work as a, I work as a consultant and I see that a lot, especially in, kind of the startup and tech world right now, you know, I have, I have like kind of my guidelines for communities. And one of my big ones is that the community that uh, you are there for the community, not the other way around. And I find that a lot of these sort of more corporate tech, you know, community angles are, are all like, how can we create a community because it'll be good for us and not how can we create a community because it'll be good for our users. And that's definitely a trend that I've, seen happening in the last couple of years
1: yeah i've I've definitely started like on twitter i've been trying to be a bit more vocal about it and you know it's it's along the signs the lines of what you say it's like just because a company wants a community it doesn't it doesn't mean they should get one or have one right (laughs) you know it's like you know it's almost like they declare that they want a community and then and then they you know look at like successful communities and they want to like Clone that those, but they don't realize the years that it's taken for these communities to like get off the ground, mm-hmm. um, or even why they've gotten off the ground. So you know, it's, it's those kind of things. It's like you know, I'm trying to encourage people not to, not to start communities. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> that's the point that I'm at because everybody is saying that they want to start a community, but they, I, I think, I think they love the idea of it, but. Actually, you say it's most likely not not the right thing for them. Mm
0: -hmm. So you recently started a new job at Orbit where you're acting as community lead. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Orbit and what they're doing and what your new job entails?
1: Yeah, so Orbit is, um, I guess, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out good ways to explain it. But Orbit (laughs) Orbit tries to... uh, me measure activity of of communities from uh, across across the internet I guess you would say and and figure out what to do with that information to en- enable people to build better communities so i guess like if you if you take the perspective that when quite often these days when people think of building a community they, Think of building a community on their platform, and that's where their community should exist. Whereas in reality, communities don't just exist on a platform; they exist on many platforms. So you might they might exist on a Slack, and and then they might exist on Twitter, and they also might exist on on LinkedIn, for example, or you know they might be on YouTube for you know you know for for you know. But it's like. This this concept of a community that exists in one location is a myth. And uh, I've kind of bought into that idea that that's true. And the more that I look at like, the communities that I've built, it's like trying to force them into this kind of one platform it never works. And if I look at Ministry of Testing, for example, we exist on email, we ex- exist on discourse, Slack, LinkedIn, Twitter, so say like all all these like locations that our members are interacting with each, with each other, Um, but there's no way of really kind of connecting all the dots between those things. So Orbit is kind of that way of connecting all the dots. It's like it, it gathers the data, it creates profiles for people on Orbit, and connects them to to all these different profiles to make make better sense of who your community is. And then, based on that, the goal is to then uh, help people build better communities. To find ways to action that that data rather than it, you know just like sitting all there. It's like, right, you know. So this is the data we have. is like who are, who are our most active people? Who are the people with, with with love or strong love that they refer to? And who who are the new people? And what can we do with these new people that are just like on the periphery of the community? And who are like a strongest ambassadors, and things like that. Um, yeah, so I don't know if that makes sense.
0: <laughs> it, it's interesting. It sounds almost like it's kind of like an analytics platform for communities in a way.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of analytics. It's kind of like some people refer to it as it like a CRM or community-focused mm, mm-hmm. uh, CRM. So it's, it's kind of a mixture of, of them all, but it's it's also like, Built really kind of thoughtfully and mindfully of um, what do what do communities need and why why we gathering this data and what what information are we gathering that's that's actually um, helpful. So like I mean like a big reason for me joining was was because because of this and because of like the nature of of the way that they're trying to approach community of really trying to uh, understand. Um, Like how how communities grow and are built and uh, taking like a, a, a tech and data approach, but also kind of being really mindful of, well, you know, community is great and technology is great, but none of this means anything if we can't apply good community building practices to all of this.
0: So, I mean, you've been, you've gone from, you know, running your own business to, you know, um, working with indie hackers and what's it been like to sort of transition into product startup land? uh,
1: (laughs) It's definitely new for me. So I've never, yeah, I've never been, I've never worked for a startup like this. Um, And it's a funded startup as well. And it's, you know, um, young it's mm-hmm. you know it's 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 growing I think like when I joined just like six weeks ago I think I was like employee number eight or nine or something like that and now it's I think already at 15 or around wow. I, like you say like, every week there's someone new joining
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and you know it's product-based and you know it's it's new to me and Yes, I worked with Indie uh, Hackers, which was a small team, but you know that was like literally like full time. It was mostly just four of us, and mm-hmm. um, so it's you know you know much smaller than what it is now. And um, yeah, so like for me, it's it's a bit of a um, <laughs> new experience. I think you know, I'm definitely adapting. to to many things, Um, adapting to the product, figuring out the product and learning the product and um adapting to the growth of the team and like (laughs) I guess like leading the community like being the first community hire which is like the main reason I joined and the the opportunity that, that is there I think is is big um as, as a company, but also for for me personally it like the only reason I joined is because it aligns with what I want to do, which is uh I, I've said this to Patrick, he, you know he knows as say like my my whole my whole mind is focused on changing the community building world the community industry and anywhere that I join, I have to see that as as something that I can. I can get into something that I have the opportunity to do because, um, yes, it's a great opportunity, but it's also a sacrifice to me. Like if it doesn't work out, so it's like I'm, you know, always weighing up my options. It's like, do I go in with Orbit, which I have done, or do I go independent? And the, you know, I was going to go independent after I left Indie Hackers; that was like my plan, but then like Orbit came up, so. Um, yeah, you know it's it's challenging because I I don't know it's it's like uh, coming from an indie background where I'm used to be indep- independent, like working on my own things. And um, even though I was at Indie Hackers for a couple of years, I was a contractor there for the whole time, so my mindset wasn't necessarily like an employee mindset. Um so yeah, I mean, yeah, I just I, I think a lot of it is just like adjusting personally to being a part of a team and, mm-hmm. uh, trying to figure out where I fit and mm-hmm. how I fit, um, and how I can support it to grow, but you know, I, I'm happy, I, you know, I'm definitely happy. And, uh, the, the main reason I wanted to come on board was because of the opportunity to educate the world on community. So that's. You know, overall, longer term, that's going to be a a big focus of mine. And I'm pretty excited to do that. I don't know what it will look like, you know. But, um, you know, being able to, um, I guess, focus on that as a job is, you know, a privilege, I think.
0: Yeah, it sounds really cool. Like, are you... um... Are you connecting with other communities to like tell them about the tools or to get to to work on integrations or are you working on building their own community or sort of what is your focus'
1: well that's what I'm still trying to figure out
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess it's still pretty new
1: yeah i mean so, so it's like still new it's still six weeks six weeks in uh the the product's still new but it's it's got like two thousand five hundred people using it, so it's like mm. um you know there's people coming in using it and being excited for it but i i think I think the challenge is to kind of work with all these people who who are using Orbit and figure out what, how can we help them use it to build better communities um rather than just having it running in the background doing a few things we you know I really want to be able to make impact and to help people build better communities through orbit. So you know, and, and there's like so much potential it's, it's almost my mind blowing like the things we could do with it. And because it's the tool itself is really flexible in how you can pull data in from so many places and it's like what what do you do with all of that? And and that and that is almost like over overwhelming. And you know, I guess it's my job to to try to help figure. It, you know, obviously as a team, but uh, you know, for me, it's like, well, how 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 can we use all of this to build communities in a new way, and especially in a new way with the way the world is going now and how COVID has changed so much. I think like our approaches to community need to change as well. Um. So yeah, so. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of thinking at the moment, <laughs> 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 which I think is important, especially like oh yeah, sure. All, you know, so you you don't want to jump in thinking you know it all. So at the moment, I'm I, I started a newsletter which has gone down well. I've gotten lots of good feedback around that, and I'm kind of just trying to get to know people. I'm speaking to a lot of people um, just about how how they run their communities and. Um, I hope I hope to to build upon that.
0: So, if you could pass one tip to prospective community managers, what would it be?
1: So, people who want to become community managers, yeah, yeah. or
0: who are about to start a community.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um. I would say take take things slow. And take things slow and don't be afraid to do things that don't scale. I I think there's a lot of pressure to, like, appear to be growing and appear to be making impact. Um, But the more I do community, the more I see that the impact is in the smaller scale things. And by doing the smaller scale things, it might not seem like you're helping things move along. But really, you are. Um, but, you know, it's, it's tough. It's I, I think it's still tough to, to manage it, especially if it's, you know, if you've got a boss breathing down your neck, you right, know, right. De- dem- demanding results. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to think that the more mature the community industry gets, the more accepting... Um, companies and bosses will be of what community actually means.
0: Well, um, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. It's been really great. Um, how can people find you online, um, and get in touch with you to hear more about your writings on community and the other stuff that you're putting out there?
1: Yeah. So I'm on Twitter a lot. Um, <laughs> Um Rosie Sherry on Twitter. Um I run I write on Rosie dot land uh, about community. I have a newsletter there and I write write stuff. And for orbit I write a newsletter called the Observatory. Um so you could go to the orbit website which is orbit.love. Um the website's gonna change in the next couple of weeks. I can't give you the exact URL, but I'm sure you'll be able <laughs> to find it at some point.
0: Great, well thanks a lot for taking the time to come on the show today.
1: I appreciate you having me, Greg
0: Thanks for listening to This Must be the place. You can find out more or subscribe at this must podcast.com you can also find us on Twitter at T-M-B-T-P underscore podcast. Our theme was composed by Will from America, and our logo was designed by Marissa Epstein. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you soon.